As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with goals. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and in the studio this week, I am delighted because uh, James Scowcroft is with me, but that's not the reason for my real excitement. It's that I'm also joined by a debutante, Ben Machel, who writes a column for Vice UK and is also uh, a, a writer here at the Times Magazine. You know, those long, glossy, fruity stories that about people who are semi-celebrities? Exactly. It's all in there. That, that's what you do, right? That's exactly what I do. Fantastic. Gabby's got all notes written down. That's not allowed, is it? He has notes because he... Cuff. He has you notes know. because he prepares. Mm. Well, you played the game, so you don't need notes. And Husey, of course, is a genius. That's right, Husey, because he is our third guest, Matt Hughes. Uh, coming up in the show, we'll be talking Chelsea. We'll be talking QPR. We'll be talking training regimes. Why are footballers so lazy and why don't they train more? And I'm looking at you, James Cocroft. You're going to explain us, explain it all to us. But first, there's only one place to start. It's the Manchester Derby. Ashley Young and Juan Mata standing over this. It's Young that swings it in. And it's Smalling! It's four! Matt, I'm going to start with you on this one because you were there. It looked to me like it was the kind of game that, in a nutshell, City actually started out really, really well. The bottom fell out. And uh, this is going to be remembered as uh, a historic United victory ending a long streak of, uh, of lack of success against the noisy neighbours. Is that about right? Yeah, I think so. It was, it was a strange game. City started very well, as you said, but it's, they just didn't respond. United sensed their lack of confidence, lack of fight, went on to play really well and gave, gave them gave them a lesson. It's hard to judge how good United were because City was so bad for 55 minutes. In terms of the season, it's a very significant result. City with some questions to answer over the last six games. James, we've added you before. I like to imagine you were confident going into this, and then like the first ten minutes, you're like, uh oh, and then everything went well. Yeah, that that seems to be you know the story of United season. You know, poor start, and then they get it going, and they look like they're finishing uh, extremely well at the moment. I, I wouldn't guarantee they're going to finish third. Uh, Chelsea away, Arsenal to come. They've you know, still got some hard games, Manchester United. You know, but it does look like they're going to finish in the top four now. I, I thought they played very very well yesterday, and uh, it seems that Mr. Van Gaal has finally, finally, after uh, ten months, seems to have stumbled across his best team. Well, it's not finally, finally, because we've seen this team for the last three or four games from United. So finally, finally, maybe a month ago. But, you know, good things come to those who wait. But we're going to get to that in a minute. Ben, I'm going to go with you. I I, I watched the game on television. I'm assuming you did as well. And one of my favorite pundits, and I'm being extremely 
unoriginal here, of course, is Robbie Sound. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and one of my favorite pundits, and I'm being extremely unoriginal here, is, is Gary Neville. And he absolutely skewered Yaya Torre after the game. He talked about a dereliction of duty and, and, and whatnot. Yaya has been in this country now for three or four years. I'm, I'm wondering, is it fair? Does it make sense to have a go at him if he doesn't go and do the defensive side of the game? I mean, or, or do you not conclude that maybe it's not what Pellegrini wants from him? Because otherwise, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing yeah. over and over again and expecting a different result. No, I think it's absolutely fair. I mean, you know, I think we've all got so used to, uh, you know, the, the, the idea of Yaya to a as this sort of force of nature that it's easy to sometimes sort of cut him slack. Um, but I think on this instance, if he's going to be playing against Manchester United, you've got to do stuff like track back people like Wanamata, for instance. I mean, I think Castle held his hands up there. Um, yeah, you, you, you look at him and you just want to sort of say... You know, remember what you're doing two seasons ago. Remember what you're doing last season. Um, it just sort of was he doing it two seasons ago, or did he have De Jong and uh, and, and and Barry behind him two seasons ago? Well, yeah, that's a good in reality, point. he was kind of like playing off the striker. Yeah, that 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 is a good point. But there's still the uh, the fact that y- you have it in your head that he's sort of custom built for the Premier League for doing these sort of things, and then you, yeah, you, you just feel. Let, let down almost as a neutral I know that's a bit of a kind of a wishy-washy thing to say but you know, as a neutral watching that game I felt let down by Man City because there were um, you know as you say after the first 15 minutes you sort of thought you know where have you gone and may- maybe Torre sort of a uh, talismanic of that but he wasn't the only one Hughes your, your take on this uh, Torre crucifixion uh, well you're right in a sense that he prefers playing in a freer role with clearly one of the one of the two holding midfield players and as Ben said, he does have the physical capability to doing that job, so he, he should have been able to perform it better than he, than he did. wasn't wasn't just Torre and companies had a poor season, could have got sent off, went off injured. Nasri came on, did nothing. That team, they just they just seem so mentally light, really, and, and fragile. And you look at it, and it's only really James Milner and Joe Hart, maybe Zabaleta, who you could guarantee would put in 100%. Ooh. Every week, Silva Sil- Sil- had, 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 had a poor game. Also, there's this question about their recruitment policy, really, that they, they, could, they can play brilliantly, but they can't back it up year after year. Okay, is- I don't think you're allowed to use expletives on this podcast. Back it up, he said. Oh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> My bad, Husey. Interesting there, Husey mentioning uh, the players who guarantee a shift, and of course, uh, he mentions Hart and Milner who happened to be English, and Zabaleta, who actually I don't think has had a great season, but who does, has done his best work in England. Um, is this just a sign that if you sign foreigners, they let you down because they don't have as much heart as English players? I think that's um, you know, a little bit unfair, maybe a little bit fair on uh, Toro because he has been a great player. I just, you know, For me, and my experiences, and I've never played at, at the level that they played at yesterday, but you know, some of it boils down to the manager. You know, the, Would he underachieve one week and then play well the following week and vice versa under a Ferguson Mourinho these kind of characters I don't think you know I think well, he'd be dropped Philly Linsight I spoke to a Manchester City player and I'm not going to name his name this week and he said exactly the same in training one, one day can turn up and just be unplayable he can't get in the next day he's not there and he just said sometimes a manager's probably if he's got a weakness has to play players for the sake of playing him and I think a top manager would think if you're going to play like that you're not going to be in my team I, I find that really interesting because Obviously, you played at a higher level than any of us, a far <laughs> higher level. It's difficult to understand, I think, from, from the outside, because you would argue that the defensive work, if you're fit, it's something that you 
you know, you just have to want to do it. I mean, anybody can go and track a run. It doesn't take any particular skill as long as, no, as, long as you're, you're it's fit, It's desire, right? isn't it? It's, it's desire and it's knowing that you have to do it. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at the runs forward that Yaya Toure makes, you know, everyone loves seeing him run forward. You think, why can't you just do it in another direction? It doesn't take, it, like, as you say, it doesn't take any particular skill. It just requires you to think, okay, now I have to do this because we might concede the goal if I don't. There, there's no chance, none whatsoever, it's actually the manager saying, Yaya, save your energy for your forward runs from deep. No. Look how Rooney plays. and <laughs> Just comparing Rooney and well, English man. No, but I am. You know, there's no... It doesn't matter where you come from to, to work hard. Surely, surely not. You know, if you look at... the Manchester United had a goal-mouth scramble yesterday and I think Carrick's shot was blocked and then a couple... And then Manchester City, you know, cleared it and broke. You know, Wayne Rooney sprints 50 yards and he's United's furthest player, 50 yards back to the halfway line to sense danger and clear it, out, clear it away. And I just think that is... You know, comes from within, but also comes from your manager. And I think I think a real strong manager would say, if you're not doing that after half an hour, you're coming off because you can't afford to have players like that. You know, you can't have luxury players in big, big, big games that you think, well, you could do something that's out of this world, but for 80 minutes, you're not going to do this. You're not going to track back because you'll lose games. We have a coach in the Ipswich Academy, and as you go down, there's a saying we have on the wall, and it's a great saying. It can't see it says, "Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work." I, th- I think that's that's a really important lesson to teach. A- academy and teach the kids mm-hmm. sadly i don't think that's true in absolute terms in football because football's a low scoring game and when there is a huge disparity of talent you want the hard workers but if you suck at football you suck at football hey you can work as hard as you like and and it's just unfair it's just life is unfair uh, so, so, okay so if so, you look at manchester city squad for me manchester city squads possibly better than chelsea no, no, squad. If, you, if you talk about manchester city and chelsea they're all talented squads no, so what i'm I saying can... is that they've been knocked out of the fa cup by a championship side They've struggled like anything in Europe and just got through. You know, they've been beaten by teams that, for me, that they've got a better team and squad than United and Arsenal. So something's not, you know, oh, their work ethic's fantastic. So it's not that, you know, there, there is things that aren't right at the football club. Yeah, and maybe it's just not a very well put together team this season. But I also think that, you know, some of the games, like they lost to Crystal Palace last week. I, I thought they should have stuffed Crystal Palace. And so did, so did your mate Alan Pardew as well. Yeah. So, you know, if they put five past Palace and then they lost this game, you know, maybe we wouldn't quite be viewing it um, through the same lens. Hughie, I want to throw one thing at you because as good as United played, and, and I think they've been playing really, really well, and I think the last three games you you can really see the added value of, of Louis van Gaal. It's still a case that they scored four goals, and one of them was a long punt from David De Gea and a lucky deflection, and two of the others were offsides, and the fourth was a really idiotic blunder from from Mangala. Am I being a bit unfair to parse it that way? Slightly, because ultimately you take your chances, you win, you win the game. But you're right to emphasize the United had a lot of luck earlier when they were winning games. 2-1, 1-0, without playing particularly well. I'm thinking of the way win at Southampton, for example, when they beat Arsenal the Emirates, having been played the past half an hour, a pretty streaky win at Newcastle following Spitgate. So, yeah, they, they definitely have had fortune. As you alluded to earlier, Van Gaal seems to have almost lied on his best team by, by good luck. You can give him credit for that, but you can also wonder why it's taken him so long. Why has it taken him so long to realise that Wayne Rooney is a centre-forward not, not a wide midfield player. Why has it taken him so long to get Ander Herrera, Herrera back in the team? 
He's unfortunate that Carrick was injured for most of the season. He's made a big difference. Finally took him so long to realise that Daly Blind was his left back. So, um, Actually, Hughesy, on, on Daly Blind, I just want to just jump in there and ask you about this because I... I, I can't see him playing left back, or I couldn't see him playing left back in in the Premier League for the simple reason that you know he's wonderfully intelligent player, skillful, blah blah blah. But you know, you he, did say he wasn't good enough. No, well, he's not skillful enough. Sorry, he's not he's not athletic enough. Um, and no, he's not it, he's not five quick. or six podcasts ago. You did with me. You said he's not good enough for Manchester United. No, he didn't say he's not good enough yes, for, for for Manchester United. But whatever, he's fine as a squad player for Manchester United, and and he's and he's he's he's, he's out perform that but the main my main issue with Dali Blind is that if you play at left back in the Premier League where teams seem to love to have very fast wingers you know and you're not quick yourself which Dali Blind isn't and I think I don't think there's any debate there um, you can be in trouble however despite if the fact your positioning that sense is correct and you use your, yeah. your brain you can well that's that. the thing he played against Andros Townsend Right, who's, who's obviously a lot faster than he is. He, uh, then against against Liverpool, obviously they've got a lot of pace out wide. He's, he's playing. He played against Jesus Navas, who's you know can run circles around him, and yet he's more than held up. And that's what I asked you about. Is is it really? Can you really solve all these issues with positioning, even if you're not all, that quick? All day long. At the, at the all day begin, long. At the beginning of my career, I played with um, a very very good footballer in John Walk. I'm sure you heard about him. Yeah. Centre half. You know fantastic reader of the game never ever once saw somebody running behind you know his position in sense was so good when to drop off when to get tight how to read the game but it's a bit different when you're a fullback isn't it because you have to go up and down more right it's easier to get to get caught out and and to you know you generally certainly no, not, in England. Not if you're intelligent you think right now's the time to go forward i've got cover i've got bodies around me you know he's, he's played left back for a few games now have we really seen him being exposed do you think it could be a Dutch thing as well? I mean, do you think that just just the way that he's been um, you know, trained up yeah. is perhaps more trained to be able to do and that? I, and I think they do it well. I think when he goes forward, I think it's um, Hiera or Carrick or someone will slide across and they'll get bodies in the left-back spot. So, you know, I, d- I don't think it's a gung-ho, right, you go forward, oh, God, no, if they I, break, shut the, your eyes because there's a massive hole behind. There's no, there's no question that it, it's obviously worked extremely well uh, the last few games. But equally, there's no question to me that Louis van Gaal probably had the very same reservations about playing about left back in the yeah. Premier League because if he didn't, he would have played him there earlier, mm. um, and we would have seen him there all season long, right? Perhaps with the exception of, of Blind, when you're talking about Van Gaal's team, I mean the the thing that's funny is it's, it's almost so obvious, you know, apart from perhaps the the, the Blind at left back, it's not a clever selection. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not. Sometimes I see managers casting around for a solution that's sort of maybe a bit counterintuitive. In this case, it sort of seems like he's come across yeah. something that's just done. Yeah. Well, but I think also, sorry, if you look at it, your fullback areas are probably the two players on the pitch who are going to see more of the ball than anybody else because ultimately they're free you know everyone's packed in midfield and it's that and the other so uh, I think his use of the ball is very very good daily blind there's, there's no argument that his use of the ball is very good we know, we know that but it, it, it is a good point what you said like this is kind of the obvious lineup 4-3-3 is what he's played isn't for most of his career as a manager um, the players all generally fit into their slots and <laughs> the issue is Hughesy touched upon, like, why did it take so long? And Hughesy, I, I want to throw this to you because, again, now I'm going to put my Joel and Avram hat on and I'm going to say, hey, it's great, you're winning, but what's up with all these guys that we bought you in the summer because that Di Maria dude who spends a lot of money, now he can't, he we, we cost a fortune, he can't get in the lineup. 
Falcao, yeah, sure, he came on. Maybe if Van Persie had been fit, he wouldn't have come on. Um, Luke Shaw, we haven't seen. I'm assuming, is he injured again? United, we stand? Yeah, no, he's injured, and I think think probably going forward, Luke Shaw will be the answer. Do we really need to buy all these guys if, in the end, you know, the, the, the key players are... Ashley Young, who kind of forgotten. Mata, who kind of forgotten and was a ridiculous goal-scoring record for United, by the way. Mm-hmm. Rooney was already there, of course. Carrick is old and, and you know came in like a million <coughs> years ago. Good. And very good, but obviously not somebody who, you know, you can say he's going to be here in five years' time. Smalling and, and Jones have been here for Yonks. Valencia, you know, you like Rafael, you like Valencia, you know. Did we really need to go and spend all this money on all these other dudes? Well, they need to spend money, but they need to spend money in a more intelligent way. The, the plan for the last two, three champions, sorry, two chance in there seems to have been to kind of do a, a Man City, Chelsea five, ten years ago, just go and start and a big name. It wasn't very strategically done, it wasn't very smart, and the players that they pay big money for haven't really performed, as you say. Falcao will lead. They've got a big call to make on Angle Demare. I actually think if he, if he can settle in, in Manchester, he'll turn out to be a good player for them. He, he did start well, then he had injuries and off-field problems. When he's on form, he improves that team. He can come into the midfield and play where Blaney is playing now. And he would benefit from being being given a, a consistent role. When, when he was playing, he was when Van Gaal was changing the system every week, changing formation, and, and he, he suffered as a result of that. Scott, the company foul, where, again, I watched this on television, and the impression, or what we heard immediately, well, there was no you know, malicious intent. He obviously knew what he did. When you watch the replay, and obviously the referee doesn't have the benefit of the replay and all that jazz, to me, that's like three straight reds in one. I mean, that's like a, a giganto red. And you're making a face. Is that Was that a good, honest no, tackle? No? Yeah, I do think it's an honest tackle. You know, there is intent there, but you have to have intent to go for the ball if you're going to go for the ball with no intent you're not going to you're not going to win the right. ball but there's also issues about recklessness and endangering well, an well, opponent what, whatever, and that's what, you know, what, what people have to understand is Gab it's actually near on impossible to stretch and slide tackle for the ball with your feet down well, if you do do it you might snap your Achilles or go over on your ankle so naturally your foot has to come up if you're going to stretch yellow card yes red card no I don't think so I think the thing about that company attack it's hard to look at it I'd not start to project all sorts of things into the mind of Vincent Company. I, I saw him do that tackle and I, it was hard not to think he knows what the score is he knows that it's up and it, it you know, maybe it's not that he was sort of angry or frustrated at the time but it's hard not to look at a player like him who's been so good for so long doing stuff like that and you just think does he know in some part of his head that this is kind of it now I think what also, Ben, you have to take into account is we're talking about split seconds here of timing, untiming. So sometimes you do have to give the player the benefit of the doubt. And and I think if you look at the replay, I think he pulls his thigh as as he goes across yeah. and that possibly slows him down, that oh, split second. So There's no question of that, but we don't... I mean, when we apply the rules, we 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 apply the laws. So, so, we apply the laws of the game. Okay, we don't okay, we don't give somebody a pass. Oh look, you missed. Oh, it always drives me nuts, right? When you have like some like long, some like Jerry Taggart guy who goes in and like does somebody knees, like oh, but he's a nice guy and look, he's just unlucky, he's just just clumsy. I mean, no, the, the okay, rules. Well, are, they don't care if you're because right. you're clumsy or because okay. you're a psychopath. It's still <laughs> if it's a red, it's what a red. Should he have done? And I think, and I and I think Vincent Company, when it came in, he realized. I mistimed it, and it might have been because of the, the twinge in his tie or whatever. 
Vincent Company is obviously, I mean, he's a warrior of the light. He's a great guy. He's an intelligent guy. He's not a dirty player. But he realized, oh, I mistimed this. I'm going to get sent off now because it's the right thing to do. And then I think Klatz, as his mates call him, um, gave him the benefit of the doubt. Which you are one. Exactly. Because it was the first half of him with Darby. I don't want to spoil the game. And I'm one of those referees who kind of <laughs> manages the situations and makes things up as I go yeah, along I anyway. A, so I'm not going to send him off. There's a point to that as well, isn't there? That's fine. Well, well, That's fine. Okay, but I'm saying what it, should he have done but, then? Who? Company. So that's three red cards in one, in your opinion. Yeah. What, what should he have done? What, going into the tackle? Yeah, so just before, if you go back two seconds that and you held, you, you stopped him, went back in time, what would you say? Vincent, this is what you got to do in no, this no, situation. But it's, it's, it's irrelevant what he should have done. Maybe he should have done exactly what he did, but whatever he tried to do, he obviously well, well, he, didn't he get his timing because right. Because you said it was three red cards in one, so he shouldn't yeah, have done well, what because, he did. But because sometimes it's out of your head. Sometimes the, there's a reason. Those are called so that goes risky back to tackles. Some, so sometimes yeah, I'm not, you have I'm to give the benefit of the doubt. You know, you have to but say, you look, don't give the benefit. You... <laughs> You apply the laws of the game based on outcomes. There's, there's no intent. Intent doesn't matter except for handball, right? I mean, there's no, there's not a question of like, you know, he, he was trying to be homicidal. He tried to tackle him properly and win the ball cleanly. He mistimed it, and when you mistime it and you risk injuring an opponent, you get a card. It seems that perhaps Branislav Ivanovic has been hit by something from the crowd, as you see there. He bent round and felt the back of his head. From one Derby to a, uh, a slightly um, less storied Derby uh, in West London, Queen's Park Rangers and Chelsea. Hughie, I'm going to start with you again. We had this perception that QPR, they're a bunch of mercenaries. Nobody'd heard of Chris Ramsey. I think his only previous job as a number one was, was in the U.S., in, in the USL or something. They may not be great, but they're showing plenty of fight. These players really care, I thought. They kind of put Chelsea to the sword in this game. Yeah, I think as Chris Ramsey has done a decent job in difficult circumstances, the spirit seems good and they've produced some reasonable performances. It begs the question if they're going to be a little bit short and if they're actually good enough to get out of this league. And I, I, just, I fear, fear they're not quite good enough. They've, they've played well against home to Chelsea, played well at home to Arsenal, lost both games. Um, and they're going to have to put a, a very... iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync... Things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Consistent run of good results 
together the last six games to stay up. They haven't done it so far, and I suspect they won't now. James, did they deserve a point from this game? Yeah, you'd have to say they did deserve a point. Um, they played well, they had chances, but you have to be faultless for, for 90 minutes, not 80 minutes. And I know Chris Ramsey came out and, you know, totally understand why he defended Robert Green, but poor clearance, poor defending, and unfortunately you will, you will pay the penalty and, and as like teams do we see it week in week out and oh you know we we need the the rubber the green and this that and the other unfortunately they are where they are because of um, the rubber the green that's pretty good exactly um, well, and I've been there myself you know you, 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 you give everything but you just think it's just one mistake every week that's costing us the mistakes work both ways because Ben somebody pointed this out to me Chelsea's last three games against Hull, now QPR, and Stoke. So they got results because of pretty crass goalkeeping errors mm. in each one, right? Begovic, uh, that, that awful McGregor, mm. and, and now and now Green. It's just life, isn't it, though? I mean, that is football. Goalkeepers do make those mistakes. And you, know, you right. see the number of times you see goalkeepers make mistakes and get away with it, it's, it's only natural that sometimes they're going to get punished. Right, but my, my question is... Not even Mourinho can plan on an opposing goalkeeper making mistakes. His powers do not extend that far. So if you're Mourinho and you look at this and you say, like, all right, we got X amount of points from, from these three games, yeah. but really we were kind of gifted four of them. Yeah. Do, you, do you worry? Do you start thinking about maybe making some tweaks or, or, or adjustments to, to, to how you're playing or to the squad? Should it be a concern? I don't think so. I mean, I think he'll probably spin it as a, you know, something... No, no, really no, 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 sorry. We know he's going to spin it yeah. to the outside world because that's what managers do. But internally, when, yeah. when he sits there with, with, uh, with his buddy Rui Faria yeah. mm. uh, over a plate of sardines or whatever, and what, what are they... Like he's actually saying, and really, you know, some of our guys are tired and really underperforming, and they don't look good. And that gap, yeah, it's big, but it should really be a lot less. What can we do? Do you think that's? Do you think that's what's going through his mind? I, I suspect it is. I suspect he's going to be looking at the players he's got and thinking, yeah, how can we change this slightly? But at the same time, you know, how, how many games left? You know, and, and, you know, I think he only needs to. How, how many games does Chelsea need to win before they before they take the title? Is it is it three out of? Three out of five or six, you know, they don't need to win that many games uh, uh, to to wrap it up. So I don't think he's going to be sort of chopping, changing loads. Um, and you know, I think he probably will be thinking, you know, okay, we've, we've maybe got some lucky points, but everyone gets lucky points. You know, man, you've got loads of lucky points this season. Yeah, I'm not suggesting Chelsea are lucky. I'm just suggesting sort of what could Mourinho do now. Hey, QZ, if Mourinho invited you into his inner sanctum, would he be telling you he's a little bit concerned? I doubt he'd ever admit that, but he has reasons to be. They've not. They're going to win the league and will be world champions. They've not really consistently played well since Christmas, I don't think. They had that demolition of Swansea back in the January. They won the Charlie, won the Capricorn Cup, having not played great against the Tottenham team who bought it after half an hour. Since then, they've not really produced any particularly memorable performances, whereas in the first half of the season, they were playing well every week. There's mitigation costs, has been in and out of injury, Abagas looks tired, um, Hazard is doing it every single week he's the only one that really is and they're, and they're kind of grinding out the championship so I think they do have to make changes next season and add a bit of variety to their attack and, and get a bigger squad we asked him about this recently and he was adamant he didn't want a bigger squad and he was happy with the players he had I suspect a lot of that is for the cameras and when he's tied at home with um, Mourinho or Mr Perea he will be plotting how they can improve last year I think if they were still in the Champions League they have, have a big problem. Yeah, Hughes, sorry, you know, you make a good point. Chelsea aren't at the best, and, and I think even the, the, the ardent Chelsea fan would say that at the moment, 
But do you not think if you look back to Manchester City last year, certainly Manchester United in Ferguson's last, the last few teams that have won the, the Premier League, can you say, wow, they've been outstanding, they've blown everybody apart? You know, it almost seems this, you know, trend at the top that, you know, the quality's not there. That's, that's true. I don't, I don't think the standard of Premier League at the top end is as high as it was, and that's reflected by results in Europe. But equally, if you Mourinho, you look at the last few champions and the following season, they, they've done nothing. No one has, no one has backed it up on back-to-back titles since Man United five, five, six years ago now, and, and that'll be what he wants to do. He, he doesn't want to drift. Next season, a drift like City have done after they've won their two titles. So I think he won't be complacent, and he will be looking to improve in the summer. Two other quick things about this game, just just to to, to, to wrap this. We saw. All sorts of uh, crap being thrown on the pitch, and the Chelsea celebra- fans were celebrating at the end. Two issues here. On the one hand, obviously nobody should have stuff thrown at them. By the same token, if you're at a ground like QPR, should you be celebrating in front of the away fans? And I'm going to ask you, Scoey, because I'm assuming you've scored goals. In fact, I know you've scored some goals. Did you ever consciously know, like, oh, look, I'm near the opposing fans. Let me just rub it in a little bit, because I don't like these Norwich supporters or whatever. Um, did you score against Norwich? No, I didn't actually. Oh. Norwich wasn't a, a particular favourite team of mine. Um, I did score at Highbury once, a last-minute winner, and sort of ran. My momentum took me behind a goal in front of the Arsenal fans over to the Ipswich fans. I did get a letter from the FA saying, "Please don't do that again." <laughs> really? Yeah. And there, what well, you know? Listen, I haven't played for a couple of years, but there used to be a message on every Premier League door, changing room. If you do score, please do not run to the opposition. Supporters, you know I mean, that, that was a big thing. So you have to question, says Fabregas, who's, you know, you can't say he's young and naive, he's been around a bit, scores a, a, a late winner in a local uh, hostile derby. And, you know, we all know QPR is very tight, the yeah. fans are... Uh, um, and he's, you know, literally almost gone up to people and say, go and throw things at me. Oh, no, you shouldn't do that. So I think he has to take some blame as well. But would you would, would you consider charging? If you're going to charge a QPR fan, would you charge for Sask? Yeah, I probably would in a way. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it's two issues, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the you know celebrating in front of fans, which players do all the time, and you see it across all the divisions. I mean, it's it's the most natural thing in the world. And if you sort of take a, apart from the fact that people lob loads of stuff at them, I think it's completely fair enough. You can't have it both ways. So you would not charge Sask. Um, no, We're going to because... form our little star chamber here. We have one vote in favour of, char- of charging Sask. We have one vote against Husey. You get the deciding vote. No, I think totally natural emotional response to scoring a vital goal. I think it actually annoys me that, you know, we pander to football fans behaving like morons and excuse their poor behaviour. There's a massive difference between celebrating and an act of violence throwing something on. Sorry, can I just say, I love the fact that the guy who's actually been in that situation and played professionally at Highbury and scored and been there and you'd think and I've actually relate- been in a situation where uh, <laughs> someone has scored a goal and run over to me and celebrated and well, I yeah. haven't thrown anything but <laughs> you I thought about done. it that he views it from the fans perspective and the two people who presume were f- I mean you're not just a writer you're a football fan as well yeah, I presume yeah. right they view it from the player's perspective as a natural thing to enjoy. I, I love this this little reversal. But there's, there's almost something by, by saying it's a bad thing to run up to these football fans and celebrate in some weird way you're almost sort of legitimising them reacting like that because they're saying they can't handle it. You know, they can't handle having an opposition player give a tiny bit back of what they've been getting all game. 
it's almost sort of, you know, it, 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 it's, it's like Matt would Do say. Do you know that, that they've been getting it all then? Do you know that they're sitting there and calling Sask a son of a dog the whole game? Do you I, know that? Or I, are you just kind of assuming? I'm putting my Because they could take the point if it was John Terry, for yeah. example, at yeah. QPR who got loads of abuse. But would they have been specifically targeting Sask Fabregas? I don't know if they're specifically targeting right. so, Fabregas. Yeah, but how many, listen, you, you probably saw more local derbies around the world than anybody, okay? So how many local, in, in those local derbies all around the world, what derby could you say that if the opposition player scored the winner very late on in a game that means a lot when you've played exceptionally well, you're fighting for relegation, etc., and then goes running over to the home supporters who are very, very close to the pitch, what team would not react? Right, moving on to our debate this week. This started with the fact that I know and have covered, and maybe Ben and Matt, you have too, guys in, in other sports, people who are Olympians, who are athletics, swimming, and they make the point that, oh, look, footballers are lazy because they only train a couple hours a week, and usually it's kind of lamezoid, you know, put on some bibs, run around the cones type training. If they trained... Give me an example. Okay. So who trains a couple of times a week? All right, well... Uh, I, I, I will give you an example of, say, a Premier League team. I'm gonna. So, what Premier I'm, League I'm team gonna, only trains a couple of hours a week? Um, I, I, I will get to it. Right. Let's say a Premier League team that plays on Saturday. Right. Yeah. You would have Sunday off. Right. Wrong. No, you train Sunday as well. I would say the vast majority of Premier League teams, if not all Premier League teams, will be on on a Sunday, especially if they play midweek. Okay. I know the top teams just do not get a day off. Very, very rarely get a day off. Really? And I don't know. I spoke to a Man City player today. This week, don't get a day off. They had one day off last week. It was the first day off they've had for, for months. And does that include, day, when you say day off, I mean, sort of rub downs, physio, yeah, tactics? They're in. They're in every day. Right. They're in, but they're not necessarily training. Well, you, right. you haven't got to be running around cones. Oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm thinking of a Premier League. Club. I'm sticking up for fuckers okay. here. No, 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 that's fine. Debate, so no, no. That, that, me and you debate. No, that, that, that's fine. And obviously, there's some clubs, I mean, that you know. United and at Spurs, they train. They've trained very heavily this year, um, relative to to perhaps other managers that they've had in the past. I'm thinking of one specific Premier League club where they would have played Saturday. I know for a fact they were right. off yesterday. So, so, so compare it to a sport. Uh, I'm not. You know, okay, no, no, no. Compare, right. you know, you're okay. talking about these swimmers and this, that, and the other. All right. Compare, compare my think, sport where think, football is similar. Because right. football is an invasion sport. Do you, do you understand what I mean by that? that an invasion a, sport. Yeah. So. When I play football, I'm not just on my own. I'm not swimming with my head down or I'm playing golf and I'm hitting the ball. I've got other people around me who are affecting what I do. Well, first of all, the, the mere fact that there are clubs that do double sessions and many clubs who don't, I think, suggests that... But is that right? But, where, where's well, the, that, that, that's what that's what we're debating. I'm, I'm not saying footballers are lazy and so on. I'm saying right. footballers, in terms of, of the hours spent okay. actually training, do not train that often. If, if you have four training sessions a week and your training sessions might last an hour and a half... Right. Yeah, on average, right. So that's six hours a week of training, and that'll include, I would assume, some level of aerobic work, some level of of set yeah. plays, but also x amount of tactical work and all this other jazz. That that's what I'm driving at. So six hours a week when you're working, and then you generally have afternoons off unless you're injured. How many? I mean, how often? How many clubs right, do, so do we, double we, sessions? When you say afternoons off, what what do you in your head? What do you describe afternoons off? this specific club that I'm thinking of and again okay. it might be that it's a club in mid-table and maybe the things have kind of petered out a little bit okay. but they normally get to the training ground around 9.30 um, they'll train from 10 to just before lunchtime 
the elite spot of lunch and then they'll leave they'll leave like around 1 30 2 o'clock generally right. right and then they're gone until the next day so it, it, last month i interviewed a load of england rugby union players um and i talked to them about training obviously except the different sports and i was speaking to one totally of them, different sports but just as an example of i suppose the intensity one of the guys was talking about how after a training session he I mean, he can drink pints of beer to get the calories back. He says he's talking about eating treacle sponge pudding just to get the calories back. You know, stuff that he's been given a green light to do just because of the amount of energy that he's using. Now, obviously, James, you're going to have... There are very good reasons why footballers don't do that. But I think just to give it a bit of context, you know, some, I've interviewed Jessica Rennis. She talks about just ordering pizzas afterwards, again, just because of the amount of uh, energy that she's using up day-to-day in training. Um, I guess I'd just be interested to get a bit of insight as to why... Footballers don't do that, or maybe they do. They do, but you know they, they'll eat and they'll eat well. Every Premier League ground will have a, uh, a chef. You're supposed to eat. I think it's half an hour after you've exercised, and I think most teams all have fitness coaches. I, I think you'd be amazed actually how hard footballers do work, Gab. You know, and, and going back to your point, okay, and I've, I've been there and done it. Okay, you do your two hours training in the morning. The psychological side of sport as well, especially football, you will go home and analyse everything in the afternoon. You, you you won't just turn off and think, well, do you know what, I'll go shopping this afternoon, or I'll do this, or I'll do this, that. Yeah. James actually works with youngsters, right? Yeah, so he's yeah, one of yeah. these people developing the next generation yeah. of England footballers. And then the new coaching method, of the new, the new way the FA are now coaching coaching is saying that drills are a thing of the past. Me getting a ball up against a wall and just hitting it backwards and forwards isn't really going to make me a better player. I need to have somebody in my way. So as I'm hitting that ball against that wall, I need this invasion so kind of thing. So this, to this whole argument, so all these stories, like, you know, Andy Brayman as a kid with a psychopathic dad saying, like, you know, spend an hour a day crossing the ball with your crappy foot, and then he gets to the point where he becomes a professional, he's entirely ambidextrous. The people who wrote those drills would presume who said like who say no drills would probably say well that's totally pointless because he would have become ambidextrous anyway. Maybe. Or what they'll say is he would have been even better if he would have crossed it with his wrong foot if he'd have had someone in front of him putting him off or, or making him make a decision with that technique. Okay, but you could do that then. I mean, if it's just a... If a you the, can, apparently what they say is there's never on a... Sorry, this, this, this there's is really never, interesting. No, no, no. There's never ever... Can you name me on a football pitch where... A player only uses his t- only uses technique without a decision. Yeah, whenever somebody takes a set piece or or a free kick, you're you're you're, you're obviously using so technique that, without decision. With no decision in it at all. Yeah, well, you make a decision about where you're going to hit the ball, but okay. it's not something that's that, that's dynamic or influenced by by other someone players. moving so. up front or where you're going to put the set piece. And yeah, but if you if you're physically incapable of putting the piece where you wanted because you were putting the ball where you wanted because you haven't trained all your decision making ability in the world isn't going to help you right right time now for some quick hits your favorite part of the show because we have uh ben machel with us i will quickly run you through the guidelines you will have 20 to 25 seconds to answer after 20 seconds you will hear a warning sound Mm -mm. after 25 seconds you will hear a different warning sounds okay no verbal diarrhea no lots of sub clauses and qualifiers in your answer just get straight to the point sure you can take a minute to look at your uh, uh your questions to prepare for them if you like that's why i've put you third Yannick Bellassi scores a hat-trick and serves up more magic for Palace, uh, who beat up Dick Advocate and Sunderland 4-1. Scoey, can you tell us if this guy is actually good or if it's all just show pony stuff? No, he is good. He's uh, very good. 
and if he was to add a final uh, end product to his game, goals even, he would be the real deal. Um, I.e., I think it was his 100th appearance for Palace at the weekend. Before that, he's only scored four goals in that. His tally's now seven. So that that is a thing to, that he needs to add to the game, which I think Mr Pardew will do. Yeah, dude's not a centre forward. Not, not so bad. Arsenal make it eight out of eight, except this time they're not quite as devastating against Burnley. Um, still, Hughesy, were you expecting this kind of late-season turnaround from Wenger? I was expecting him to finish strongly, because it's what Arsenal do. Uh, it make, they make me laugh. Next year is always the year that Arsenal are going to win the league. I really hope they, they can improve next, over the summer and mount a proper challenge rather than just winning games after it's too late. That they're not like they normally do. Note that, Arsenal fans, your club makes Matt Hughes laugh. Tim Sherwood returns to White Hart Lane and emerges victorious, but Ben, why have the wheels come off for Spurs, and without Harry Kane, where would they be in the table? Well, I think the wheels come off for Spurs because they're Spurs. Um, I, I think It's a good answer. Pochettino, uh, I don't think he has to, all the players that would want um, the team in transition. He wants players you can press. Uh, they haven't necessarily got as many of those as he'd like. Got your a lot of young players and which I think he's made that point um, and also stuff like Europa League I mean he's allergic to it he absolutely hates it and again as you alluded to as well they're doing lots and lots of training um, I just think they're going to get tired Speaking of that game uh, Christian Bentegay was once again the difference maker Scoey as a former striker can you provide some insight into the great Christian awakening? I would say it's mainly down to confidence and that confidence has probably been installed by a lot of faith from uh, Tim Sherwood I think if a manager puts confident and faith in you it will show on a football pitch and I think we've seen this in his career haven't we? it's you know peaks and troughs but he's obviously uh, on a peak at the moment so was Paul Lambert just mean and say like I don't want to give you any confident Christian no but again. a new manager can come in Gab and, and can know, just give you a new sense of life the think tank today ranks the best performance amongst last summer's buys uh, the top six are in order Diego Costa, no surprise. Sask, no surprise. Fabianski, hmm. Alexis Sanchez, David Espina, and number six, Alberto Moreno from Liverpool. Hughesy, you love stats and analytics. These are the numbers talking, so surely you agree. Uh, well, he's got half of them right, hasn't he? I'm not sure how those goalkeepers and Moreno got in there, but you can't really argue with Fabregas, Costa and Sanchez. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I love Fabianski. I think he's actually a better keeper than uh, the Michel form. I think that was an, uh, that was an upgrade, personally. Emotional day at the Hawthorns with uh, tribute to Jeff Assel and the uh, retro kit. Uh, but it's Nigel Pearson who has a last laugh as Leicester emerged victorious, 3-2. Now, I predicted last week that they may well stay up, and they all laughed. Ben, they're all fools, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, uh, uh, Leicester, it's kind of like a zombie film. You know, you thought they were down, but then they've sort of opened their eye and now they're kind of standing up. And they're scoring goals as well, which is important because Hull aren't scoring goals. Burnley uh, don't seem to be scoring as many goals. I think they've got every chance. And also, they've got quite a nice run in as well. Um, they've got some good home games Swansea, Newcastle, QPR on the final day. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they stay up. There you go. So much for the dung heap of gutless mediocrity that said that they were doomed. Cab, one for you. Barcelona face Seville at the weekend. Anything we should know about it? Yes, you should know that they drew 2-2 and that the gap in La Liga over Real Madrid is now down to two points. What was really interesting about this game is Barcelona absolutely hammered them, played about as well as I've seen them play this week's season, went 2-0 up. Um, then they conceded a goal and a goalkeeping error, and then Seville just stormed back at the end, also possibly because Luis Enrique took off Neymar for Xavi and then went 4-4-2. Um, but really, Barcelona could have 
buried them. Interesting. Seville undefeated at home in 33 games. Right, that's all we got time for this week. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes and or Player FM for Android, please do so now. Many, many thanks to my guests today, Matt Hughes, James Scowcroft, and making his debut, the excellent Ben Machel. And if you're wondering who he is, you can read his column on Vice Sports UK, which is not actually a porn site or a site to do with drugs, as you might uh, imagine, although they certainly have a lot produce lots of videos that have to do with those items. Uh, it's actually a very interesting site with uh, a wide uh, variety of interesting columns and articles on it. And you can also read Ben in the Times magazine. That Magazines for younger readers are those glossy things that will soon disappear. Check out thetimes.co.uk on your digital device. Members get exclusive football, rugby, and cricket highlights free as part of uh, their subscription. If you're not a member yet, you can take our one-pound digital trial today. Just search Time Sport online. That's all we've got time for. Bye-bye. Your subscription to the Times and the Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal. Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.